When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We're recording this on Monday, and you know what? I'm going to put it up on a Monday, Mary Kay. It's the Hey, Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, um, where our Football Insider subscribers send in their questions. Mary Kay answers them as best she can. And let's just start here. Scott from Columbus is thinking about Joe Woods, Mary Kay. Hey, Mary Kay, the last two games have been the best this defense has looked all year. This seems to happen every year where they look terrible all season and then good at the end of the year to make us think they'll be good next year. Do you think this will happen again or is Joe Woods still in trouble? Well, I think they're going to take a long, hard look at it, but I do think that it helps that they have played better. And I think they're going to be really evaluating how they play over these last three games. They will have some opportunities uh, to see some uh, different kinds of players, some different kinds of offenses. And uh, this will be another chance for them uh, to go out there and play some good defense and for Joe Woods to prove that he deserves to be back. Now, I think one thing that will help him in recent weeks, if you have noticed, uh, Miles Garrett has really been going to bat for Joe Woods, not just blatantly when I asked him about it the other day. Uh, and he said, yeah, you know, we do what he says and he, you know, he's the man. Um, but just also in more subtle ways, like after this past game, he just said, you know, the coaches are calling great calls and then we have to go out and execute them. So I think he's really been going to bat for Joe. And I think that will help a lot. I mean, when your best defensive player is supporting uh, the defensive coaching staff, then I think that is very, very meaningful. So it's something to keep an eye on because I know that you know, I'm sure there are other players that feel that they could be used differently, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a deal breaker for the coaching staff. It can be, let's get together and talk about this. Let's work through this. Uh, so again, it's something that will be very, very closely evaluated and looked at. Uh, and and I can't say right now it's 60% he's gone and 40% he's back. Uh, but I, I do think it's something that they will take a good long look at. I I think it's very interesting that Miles has been so outspoken too. And I thought the, you know, so like you said, got asked about it directly on fr- on Thursday last week, but then he wasn't asked about it directly on Saturday, but he still like brought up Joe Woods and spoke well of Joe Woods and the scheme. I, I thought that was very interesting too. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, uh, it's something that wasn't happening before last week. I mean, it just really wasn't happening before last week. We were hearing little rumblings and whispers of, uh, you know, well, this adjustment isn't happening and this is not going the way that we think it should. And, you know, that was leading me to believe that uh, perhaps there, you know, was a little bit of a mutiny or those guys had jumped Joe Wood's ship. But now with Miles coming out so strongly that way, uh, I think that it it could really help Joe's cause. So um, 
the other thing I wanted to ask about this, this is sort of akin to the Baker Mayfield discussion a few years ago when he played so well at the end of 2020. Um, and, and you pointed out, yeah, but look at who he played. Is there part of this too, where the Browns have to make sure they take a look at this and see, you know, these performances have come against Tyler Huntley. Uh, is it Brandon Allen, Kyle Allen, one of the Allens <laughs> quarterback, yeah. Kyle Allen. And, mm-hmm. You know, I know we're not supposed to say this, but Tom Brady and the Bucks' offense hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire recently. It hasn't really, these performances haven't come against the, the best of the best or even really close to it. And the one game they did play against Cincinnati, they played well early, but also they did get beat and they did give up some pretty big plays to guys who weren't, who weren't T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. You have to be able to beat the Joe Burrows. You have to be able to beat the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens. That's what this is all about. So I do think that that will be taken into account when you throw every single thing into the hopper. The level of competition will be meaningful. And this season, especially early on, they were having trouble beating very marginal quarterbacks, right? I mean, Joe Flacco. Marcus Mariota, right? I mean, they they really had a difficult time doing that, and it really cost them this season. It cost them a shot at the playoffs. They should be contending for the playoffs right now. These last three games should be very, very meaningful, and, of course, we know they're not. So all of those things will be looked at. The other things that will be looked at, Dan, will be all of the things that happened to this defense this year, and I think those things are significant, too. Anthony Walker went out early. Jacob Phillips replaced him, and then he went out for this season. Jeremiah Wusukora missed games, and now he's missing the final four of the season. Jadavian Clowney missed three or four games. Miles flipped his car and wasn't himself. Uh, Denzel Ward, for whatever reason, did not play his best ball this year. And some of that, some of the guys not playing their best ball, you know, could be traced directly to, hey, are they being used right are, you know, is the scheme favoring what they can do? Are they playing enough man? Are they playing enough zone? Are they giving enough help over the top on a, on a receiver? So all of these things really have to be evaluated. But I do think that there were a lot of extenuating circumstances on this defense this year uh, that led to some of the lackluster or subpar performances that we saw. There were very few times when everybody was out there together healthy. I mean, it just almost never happened. And there were a lot of really, really, really good guys that were compromised this year. And that hurt. Okay. Let's stick with the defense here. Uh, Jim Hindell and Talmadge. Hey, Mary Kay, what do you think the reason is that the Browns defense takes so long to gel every year? Is it scheme coaching or just playing within the scheme? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it is absolutely a little bit of everything, and they're going to have to, uh, you know, reevaluate some of those things. I think, and and I wrote this a little bit for today. Uh, we're taping this on Monday, but I um, I don't know that. John Johnson three was necessarily used in all the ways that he can be used. He's a very versatile player. Uh, you know, he can, he can come up and, and play in the box. He can cover, he can, he can do so many different things. And I think they can put a little bit more on his plate. He is coming off of his best game. Now he did get a thigh contusion uh, in that game, but he's coming off of his absolute best game of the season against the Ravens. And if you saw, 
games like that every week from John Johnson three, boy, that would go a long way towards some good, good defense. Uh, Grant Delpit, you know, he didn't have the breakout season that everyone expected him to have, but maybe his role needs to be tweaked and adjusted a little bit. Same thing with Greg Newsom. Dan, you and I have talked about this a little bit. Greg Newsom seems to have taken a tiny step back uh, being featured in the slot so much, and perhaps he is better off on the outside and would have been able to build on that this year. And if that's the case, then what do you do? Because you already have uh, Denzel Ward out there and you've got Martin Emerson out there who isn't necessarily a slot receiver. So, I mean, a slot cornerback. So, um, so these are things they're going to have to look at how the personnel is being used and can they use it differently? Uh, another thing I think to look at is, you know, sort of the size of your linebackers. I mean, you have to really be able to have uh, a bigger, more jumbo-y type defense to stop some of, some of the running games that are happening now in the NFL. People have realized, you know, I mean, the, the NFL catches up to things. And, you know, once you go a little bit more, you know, hybrid there, you know, then it's time to think, oh, boy, you know, now we need, uh, you know, an enforcer at linebacker, a bigger guy that can stop some of the uh, the bigger backs that they're going to throw at you. So these are all things that they're going to have to look at. Uh, but I do think the role of some players uh, needs to change a little bit, and then those players will be better. The, the Newsom thing is interesting. I, I'm curious to see what they do there because this is the first time he's really played in the slot. Um, and you know, you do, you're, you're trying to find that versatility and try to find ways to get, you know, first greedy Williams and now Martin Emerson on the field. But, you know, Greg Newsom was 26 pick in the draft. You you've invested a lot in that. If he's better on the outside, he's got to be one of your outside corners. And then you sort of figure it out from there. Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see how they approach the slot moving forward, because also, you know, they kind of tried to do the trade for Troy Hill or I'm sorry, sign Troy Hill. And he's going to come in and be your slot guy. They tried to identify that guy. And then they kind of bailed on that after a year. So I wonder if they go back that direction or if they kind of continue to, to let Greg develop in there. That, that's going to be one of the interesting interesting things to watch uh, when we get back out there in the spring in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, because what do you do if you have three, you know, like sort of true, genuine outside guys? Uh, you know, I do think that you need to have a really, really good, good slot corner, a really good nickelback who just so excels at that. Even MJ Stewart was really good at that. Um, so, you know, you can find those guys, but then what do you do? You know, what do you do? And, you know, you, you can never have too many good cornerbacks. We know that by now. Uh, but if all three of those guys are healthy, you know, then you start to, you know, get backed up a little bit there because how can you play them all? At the same time. So, yeah, these are all things they're going to have to take a look at. Um, but I do think that there is starting to be uh, at least a little bit of groundswell of support for maintaining the status quo and, and seeing if they just can't kind of hit the ground running next year uh, and, and hope that they're a little bit healthier. And I mean, remember, that was back in September that uh, that Miles flipped the car and, you know, it just by then Anthony Walker was already out and, you know, things kind of spiraled a little bit from there. Um, so, yeah, they and they have to 
we've talked about this before. They really still do need to address the middle of the defense and, and make sure that they're good to go at defensive tackle. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's risk on both sides. You know, if you fire Joe Woods and bring somebody else in new, there's no guarantee that's going to fix everything. But then if you don't fire Joe Woods and we're sitting there in November saying the same stuff about this defense, then that, that's not good either. So they, they've got to figure this thing out and, and they have to get this right because as we've talked about, uh, you know, over and over again, like, you know, I don't think they necessarily should get a pass on this year, but the reality is this year's kind of done. So you're on to 23 and, and you can't miss in 23. You, you've got to get everything right. Let's go to uh, Dave in Denver. Hey, Mary Kay, I'm starting to think that what the defense needs more than anything is a tough veteran leader that is respected or feared and holds players accountable. Someone like a Bobby Wagner or a Demario Davis, who, by the way, was a Cleveland Brown at one point. I think Anthony Walker was okay in this role, uh, but they need to find someone like a Jarvis Landry for the defense. Well, you know, you could be right about that. Uh, You know, I, I do think that having some of those guys that have a little bit of a nasty side to them, especially on defense, I actually kind of think it goes a long way. Not to say that Demario Davis is nasty, but he's just that fiery, fiery guy. I was very sorry to see Demario Davis go when he left here. I thought that that was a huge mistake uh, by the Cleveland Browns at the time. I remember Greg Williams being very upset about it. And as Demario went on in his career, you could see exactly why, because uh, he is tremendous. I mean, he's just absolutely a great player. But I do think that there is something to be said for having a couple of those guys on your defense that have a little bit of a mean streak in them. Um, and, and I do think it sets a tone. I mean, Miles is, you know, a fiery guy and a fiery leader, but he's not necessarily, uh, you know, kind of what we're talking about here. And I don't know if you want to go uh, as far to the other side of the spectrum as like a Ray Lewis, but, you know, because that always conjures up, you know, know, controversy whenever we mention that name. But uh, I do think that, you know, there, there is a lot to be said for an enforcer guy on your defense. And think about all the times where I say, Oh, he's so nice. This guy's so nice. And they, and they're nice and they, and they play hard and they're good, talented players. But every once in a while, I think, you know, maybe, um, you know, it's good to have somebody that's just got that little edge to them. Right. You know, Miles is sort of the, he's kind of the, you know, lead by example, kind of the fun guy in in some way, right? Like he's, you know, Miles is competitive and, you know, he can play mean, but he's not like, you know, you don't think of him in that way. And they have a lot of guys kind of like that. And it would be interesting if they added just somebody with that edge, somebody with that kind of, um, yeah, I, I like, I think, I don't think Ray Lewis is necessarily the, the example, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't think they, they have to go that far, but I, I do think there, you could make a case that maybe that's lacking a little bit in, in this defense. Cause I'm trying to think of who, even Anthony Walker, right. Great leader. Everybody loves him, but he's, you know, he's the, everybody loves him type of leader. You know, could, could you add to that with someone with, with a little bit more of an edge? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is not really the kind of regime that looks for those kind of guys necessarily. Um, And I know when I say that, people are going to say, what about Deshaun Watson, (laughs) right? Um, You know, 
So, I mean, let's set that aside because that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about someone who's like been in trouble. You know what I mean? Like we're we're talking about on the field, like a guy who's just got a little bit of nasty to him. Yeah, and strikes some fear uh, into the opposite side of the ball a little bit. So uh, I do think that they could use a guy or two like that. And that's not to even, you know, that's not to like, you know, question anyone's leadership. Like I said, Anthony Walker is a good leader. Like you, you need that type of leadership too. There's different types of leaders. And, you know, sometimes you need the guy who is just, he's going to work the locker room and everybody loves him. And, you know, he's, he sets the tone, but then, you know, sometimes you kind of need the the bad guy too. You know, you need the guy on both shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really, uh, you know, setting up the culture and the personality of of your locker room. And I do think that, um, you know, the, the guys that have super high character uh, can be pro bowlers and Hall of Famers and amazing players. Um, and they are in so many cases. Uh, but every once in a while on defense, you, you know, you could use that guy that almost crosses the line just a little bit. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we've got some questions about Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, uh, and some other uh, questions about the offensive side of the football. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Let's get to this question. Let's start with Jacoby Brissett. I thought this was interesting from Lance uh, in Ca- from Lance in California, Maryland. Is that a place? I don't know. We'll say it is. Lance asks about Jacoby Brissett. Hey, Mary Kay, would the Browns consider giving Brissett above market money to return as a backup? Well, I know they really like him. And when you want to talk about great leaders, Jacoby Brissett is truly one of the great leaders that I've ever covered. And he means so much to this football team. He means so much to Deshaun Watson. And I know they would love to have him back. And there is a chance that he will come back. The way that he won't come back is if someone views him as a starting quarterback. And I think there are enough teams that have issues uh, with their starting quarterback that he will get some looks. Now, not everyone is going to be smart enough to see that he can be better than what they had this year or what they might be able to get for next year. Uh, So he might not get that job. If he doesn't get that job, then I think there's a very good chance that he will be back here. But he wants to play, and uh, and he's going to hold out as long as he can uh, for that starting job. So, um, so yeah, it's you know I think that they would pay him a premium to get him to stay here. Um, but if if teams are smart, they'll see that that he can help them. And um, and last year when the Browns were looking to sign him, there wasn't much competition. People were not clamoring after Jacoby Brissett. Now, I think he kind of put himself back on the on the map a little bit with the performance that he put forth in the 11 games that he started. Um, but unless that captured the attention of some really good GMs, he could be looking at coming back. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Am I mistaken? Didn't Deshaun Watson say to at some point that he really liked having like a veteran in the room like Jacoby? Uh, I seem to recall him saying something like that at some point when we've talked to him since he's come back and that he's never really had that. I I think he had AJ McCarron um, in Houston, but, but he never really had like a veteran guy like Jacoby with him um, in in that room. And, And I do think like, 
it's fun to talk about, well, you want to have the developmental guys and all that, but you got to have like a real backup. You got to have like a real veteran guy, I think in that room with Deshaun and you know, whatever happens with Kellen Mond happens, but Deshaun's the guy, the plan is for Deshaun to start 16 games ever or 17 games every year for the next 10 years. And if he's not starting, you want to have a guy in that room that you trust that, you know, can go run your offense and win games. Like the, the idea of a developmental guy is it's fun, but I, I don't think that's what you're looking for. And I think Jacoby fits that bill. He really does fit that bill. And yes, Deshaun Watson really loves having him in the room. And the other value that Jacoby Brissett brings is the fact that uh, he is a friend, mentor, and confidant to Deshaun Watson, who is in a very unique situation with coming off of the allegations and the suspension. Uh, You know, you kind of need a sounding board in there. And Jacoby Brissett has been the perfect player for all of that. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, and in my mind, you can't really put a price tag on that. That's worth a lot. It's worth a lot to keep Deshaun in a good place. And I think Jacoby helps to do that. Uh, but once again, uh, you know, if he gets an opportunity to start somewhere, that's what he's going, that's what he's going to want. That's how he views himself. And we'll see if teams view him that way too. A little internet research, California, Maryland is a real place. So I did not butcher that. Uh, another question from someone in Maryland, one of our regulars, Paxton Styles in Chevrolet, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, what are the chances that Deshaun Watson's play style could breathe new life into Kareem Hunt's chances at staying in Cleveland? You know, I just wrote something about this um, in, to our text subscribers this morning or yesterday. You know, I, I think it should breathe new life into Kareem Hunt and him being here. Absolutely 100%. You need a back that can come out of that backfield and catch anything that comes his way when you are uh, trying to make an off-schedule type of play and you're trying to scoot away from trouble or you're scrambling or whatever else. Uh, you know, you can design the play a certain way or you it can be a broken play, but whatever the case may be, you need a running back that can catch the football. And Nick Chubb tries and tries and tries to get better at catching the football, but I actually think this has been one of his worst years at actually securing the football and making the catch. And I do think it should breathe new life into Kareem Hunt unless Jerome Ford can fit that bill and really go out there and be that third down back who can catch that ball for you. You need one of them. And if it's not going to be Jerome, why not Simon Kareem? He wants to be here. So I would say yes, I would be all for it. But I've always been a Kareem Hunt fan. I like his game. Uh, and, you know, I like what he can bring catching the ball out of the backfield. So I, I would be all for it. I don't know. I, I doubt they're going to see it the same way, but we'll have to see. It's one of the interesting decisions uh, because Kareem has sort of, you know, this year just hasn't worked out for him for a lot of different reasons. And, but I don't think he's going to like hit the hit free agency and command some huge contract. I just, I just don't think that's going to be out there for him. So I think you, if the Browns believed he could come back in shape, you know, wanting to play here, you know, wanting to be a part of this, continuing to want to be, you know, number two with Nick Chubb and those two still work so well together. Like Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb doesn't seem to care giving carries to Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt seem has been okay, at least to this point with his role here. Um, if, if there's, 
if the price is right and you think you're going to have the, you think you're going to have a committed like Kareem Hunt to be the guy he was kind of before this year, it's at least worth looking into. I, I wouldn't just write it off. And by the way, it's, you know, as we're recording this, I, I looked at the Browns depth chart. They've, I think they've finally gone all in on calling Demetric Felton what he is because they are listing him as the wide receiver behind Amari Cooper right now. So I, I think we can officially say that, Demi, you know, you mentioned Jerome Ford. I think that's the guy you'd have to talk about when it comes to replacing mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt, not, not Demetric Felton. Yeah, so in these last three games, uh, you, you should really try to be giving Jerome Ford some of those reps and see how he does in catching the ball out of the backfield because you saw Nick Chubb drop two passes uh, against the Ravens. Right. And I mean, just easy, you know, out routes and that, that can't happen. I mean, Deshaun has to have a reliable back out of the back backfield catching the ball for him. So Nick's got to get better at it in the offseason. He's got to work really hard at it. They have to take a look and see if Jerome Ford can handle that role. And then they're going to have to reevaluate the whole Kareem Hunt thing. Because up to this point, you know, I've been thinking that he is 100% gone. But the more I think about it, bringing him back for at least one more season might not be the worst idea in the world. And, you know, we learned this year, I think one of the lessons from this year is it's always nice in the spring to say, okay, we're going to hand the keys to a young guy who's a little bit unproven, but we drafted him, we've developed him, let's give him the keys. We've seen that not work out. In, in some areas on this team, you know, middle linebacker with, with Jacob Phillips, defensive tackle with Jordan Elliott, who of course made a great play on, on Saturday on special teams. Um, there, there's been some areas where they've kind of handed things over to young guys and it hasn't, it doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. I mean, even having JC Treader around this year would have helped them. Right. So Uh, There are some areas, key positions in which uh, you want to be very judicious about what you do. I mean, right tackle is one of those spots. I think they should re-sign Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin has a little bit of an injury history. Uh, He's coming off the torn patella, but he'll be one more year removed from that next season. And I think that uh, he's somebody that you should do everything that you can to try to re-sign and keep him around. Same thing with Jadavian Clowney. You know, Jadavian has somewhat of an injury history, but when he's out on that football field, he's dynamite and he's really good with miles. So I would also uh, do whatever I can to keep Jadavian around. I mean, Jack Conklin would seem like such a home run to resign, especially because he'd be removed from that injury. You know, he'd he'd get Mm -hmm. another offseason. He'd actually get an offseason to kind of get that injury right. He wouldn't be rehabbing it. And he's already said he's going to like Cleveland's home. Like he basically said on that Zoom call we had with him, even it may, he made it sound like even if he doesn't resign here, he's living in Cleveland. So if Jack Conklin's living in Cleveland, he might as well be your right tackle. Yeah. And you know what? I was so happy to hear him say that, you know, that Cleveland is his forever home because a lot of the guys that come to Cleveland at first, they think, oh, this is not the best place in the world to be for whatever reason. Uh, But then they end up really loving it. And so it was kind of cool to hear Jack Conklin say that and, and have embraced Cleveland. Now, maybe some of the younger guys, uh, you know, it might not be the best place in the world if, you know, you're kind of young and single, but uh, you know, the guys that have kids and families, especially, I think they end up loving it here. So yeah, as long as he's going to be, you know, heading off to giant Eagle here, he might as well play some right tackle for the Browns. 
Yeah, there you go. Make a make a run to Giant Eagle on Sunday morning <laughs> and then go play right tackle on, on Sunday yeah. afternoon. It's just it's it's too perfect. All right, this is a question um, someone had. I guess this was said during the broadcast, and you're very equipped to answer this because you wrote a story right before Deshaun came back when, when you spoke to his quarterback coach. Um, there's no name on this, but I guess during the game on NFL Network, uh, they said Deshaun Watson did not have a Browns playbook during his suspension. Of course, he was a preseason camp. It was a training camp. So did he have a playbook? What was he? What did he have available to him? during his suspension is basically what's being asked here. Uh, He had whatever he was given during the off season and during training camp. So he had uh, plenty enough of, of materials. What he wasn't able to have was the game plan for each week. Uh, But he certainly had a Browns uh, playbook where he knew the plays and he knew the terminology and he knew what was going on. But what he couldn't be part of was the weekly game plans that were happening. So sure. I mean, they installed so much of, of the, uh, the game plans and the playbook during training camp. So he had stuff like that to work off of and to work through. So uh, he had enough materials to be up to speed when he got back. Yeah. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what they were saying. I haven't gone back and listened to the broadcast, so I don't know that that's just what our texture is saying. Maybe they misheard that. But I do think kind of along those lines, something interesting. If you go back to the Tampa game, when Jacoby made that throw to David Njoku, he had mentioned that that was a play that he didn't really like. And he talked through it with Kevin and Alex Van Pelt, and they ultimately decided, like, we're going to keep this in. And, and then they go to that play. And I do think there's something, too, as this continues to develop, like Deshaun kind of missed out on some of that stuff, those Saturday meetings with the coaches and kind of working through, Hey, I, I, you know, I like this, you know, here's, you know, or explain to me why, why this is in our red zone package or, you know, I don't like this play. Why, why do we have it in here? Um, that that's a connection that he kind of missed out on during that suspension too. And, and that's some of the stuff that he's got to get caught up on that. I think we'll start to see some of those things that, that communication and them really figuring out, how to put these packages and, and these plays together over these next few weeks. Yeah, that's what they have to do. They've really got to hone in and make sure uh, that they're doing the things that he wants to do, that he likes to do, the things that he does well. We've been seeing more three wides. We're seeing more no huddle. Um, you know, We're seeing the up-tempo stuff that he does well. Uh, he's got the authority to, you know, to, to run or pass and, you know, the RPOs, of course. So I, you know, I think that you're going to see more of Deshaun Watson's influence over the offense and that's as it should be. And, um, and yeah, he didn't necessarily have access to uh, that kind of game planning. He wasn't allowed to be a part of it. So, you know, now he is, and I think each week uh, you'll see him putting his stamp more and more on the offense. Okay, let's go to another question here. This has to do with individual accomplishments. Dean from Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, if playoff chances are remote, are the following individual accolades worth pursuing? Nick Chubbs winning a rushing title, Miles Garrett uh, winning the sack title and maybe defensive player of the year. How important are those things? I think they're important. I mean, it gives some of these guys something to aim for when it's freezing cold outside and you know you don't have uh, the playoffs left. I mean, it not only uh, are those individual goals, but in some respects, they are team goals too. Because in order to get Nick Chubb to that rushing title, you got to block for him and, and you've got to call the game for him. So it does give everybody a chance to kind of 
pull together and uh, and align towards a goal like that. You know, same thing uh, with Miles. Guy, guys have to do whatever they can do uh, to help Miles get to that point. I mean, if it's uh, if you see Miles, you know, in, in some respects, you know, let's put it this way. If you don't, if he doesn't have to split a sack, don't make him split, <laughs> split a sack. Do you know what I mean, Dan? I mean, it's not always easy uh, to not make that happen, but Miles seems to think it might be a little easier than it is in some cases. Um, but yeah, I mean, now not having Jadavian Clowney out there, he's got a concussion right now. So if he does not play in this next game, then it will be increasingly difficult uh, for Miles because then you can double him more and you can chip him more. And you don't have to give some of that extra attention to Jadavian. I think Jadavian is such a tremendous compliment to Miles. Um, but I do think it's worth pursuing those individual goals. And it really keeps guys focused and excited, not just for next year, but this year, but into next year. Yeah, I, th- I think that stuff really matters. And I remember in 2019, some of the linemen seemed more upset that they didn't get Nick Chubb that rushing title, that they didn't do enough in that Bengals game that they they kind of wish that there would have been a few more runs called maybe, you know, pad that lead a little bit because Derrick Henry had that huge game in the four o'clock game um, to steal the rushing title. It felt like, a, you know, Nick kind of shrugged it off, but some of those linemen seemed a little upset and that team had nothing to play for. Like they were, they were done weeks before that game. It does matter. And I think it is important even in a losing season, if you lead the league in sacks or you lead the league in rushing or receiving or whatever it is, that's still impressive. That still matters. Yeah, it gives you something to hang your hat on, and it puts you kind of on the map a little bit. And I think it, it's you know it shows that uh, how talented this football team is when you have guys that contend can contend uh, for for big titles and awards like that. So I do think it it helps, and they should aim for those things in these final three games. Uh, and you know, of course, Miles try, still trying to win that Defensive Player of the Year award. I don't know if he's going to get it done, but I think we saw on Saturday that he's certainly going to make a push for it. And they're playing some quarterbacks that he might be able to, to get to. Obviously, without J.D., you don't have a lot else uh, in your pass rush. So maybe that's going to hurt him, like you said. But he's there's some guys he's going to have a chance to get to. Yeah, and this would be the year for him. There are some guys that are not in his way this year. He does not have T.J. Watt in his way. He does not have Aaron Donald in his way this year. So this is a chance for him. Uh, to go out and do it. I think he's going to get some votes this year for sure. Don't know if he'll be able to pull it off. It seems like uh, Micah Parsons is, uh, you know, someone that's garnering a lot of attention for that. You know, you've got uh, Nick Bosa's up there, uh, but I think Miles is going to get some sacks. So sacks always help, even though that's not everything. Uh, they always, always help when people sit down to do their, you know, their voting on that. So, um, so, yeah, it's, it's something for him to definitely shoot for. He's in the convo. All right, there we go. That'll do it for our uh, Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. All those questions, like I mentioned, came from our Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get involved, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. And also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you missed our post-game pod or if that download didn't work for you, there was an issue with our podcasting service that we put these through. It was affecting all kinds of pod, the Ringer podcasts and basically – this this site handles all the podcasts you listen to. So uh, if you missed our post-game pod and didn't download, go give it another shot and give that a listen um, as well following Saturday night's game. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.